Welcome to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. Today, I'm sitting in the tour van of Don Gibson, and that's not D-O-N, but it's D-A-U-G-H-N. Hi, Don. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How's your day been? It's been a long day in the van, so I'm pretty tired. Oh, we had a a Fargo show a couple nights ago and just drove through North Dakota uh, through the night through Montana. You know, it's it's part of the gig, so... um, it was a good time. This is a nice segue, a long drive, into your past as a trucker. Since you used to be a trucker, now you're a musician. Did you ever have one of those weird trucker hats? I never had a trucker hat. No, never in my life. I played t-ball when I was a kid, and they gave us these humongous hats. Um, and that's the closest thing I ever had to a trucker hat. So if you could have a weird trucker hat with a strange saying on it, what would it be? Um, get R done with the R in the middle. Nice. How about we listen to some music and then have some more questions? All right. Sounds good. Hi, my name is Dawn Gibson. That's spelled D-A-U-G-H-N. And you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood.
Hi, my name is Dawn Gibson. That's spelled D-A-U-G-H-N. And you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Welcome to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Pisky Nest by Don Gibson off his second record, Me Moan. I've got Don here with me. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about this track. Pisky Nest is about uh, this, what I would maybe call a holler. Uh, even though we don't have hollers in Pennsylvania, it's more or less a, just a, a village in the mountains. Um, me and my buddy were driving around uh this mountain and he told me this very brief story uh about uh, a girl he knew that uh used to go there and uh have sex with multiple people at once um and she happened to be the state trooper's daughter so uh, it was just the details of the story really disturbed me for some reason always stuck with me anytime you know i would drive by so i just decided to write a song about it don gibson is a strange stage name. I've heard two stories about where it came from. I'd love to hear the truth. Uh, the truth is not as exciting as whatever you read. Uh, it was just a nickname between friends. Uh, my wife and, and uh, another buddy of mine and me just called each other Dawn. It was quite stupid. Um, so when I was doing this, it was just like a natural fit because that was my nickname anyway. Can you say it with a central Pennsylvanian accent? Uh, Dawn. And why did I ask you to say it that way? You're from central Pennsylvania. No, but I heard that you're from Pennsylvania and that you guys would say it like that. Uh, yeah, sometimes I forget how it's said. Um, but, you know, there's Don and then there's D-A-W-N, which is Dawn. And then there's D-A-U-G-H-N, which is Dawn. And that's me. So you started in music as a drummer. But with a voice like yours, weren't you always pushed towards the singer role? Uh, yeah, all drummers have an inferiority complex. So uh, often you find drummers tour managing or uh, going in the studio to record. Um, and I definitely was guilty of doing all those things for the bands I was in. And, and when I stopped playing, I felt like, well, I can't sit around and just practice drums all day. So I'm going to um, mess around with some other stuff and do my own thing. And that's what uh, happened here. But you played in a number of bands before your solo project. So when they heard you sing, were they not like... What? Why don't you at least sing backup? Oh, I did sing backup quite a bit. Uh, that was my big shot to get into the studio booth. Um, and I love doing harmonies. I really did. That was the. I would much rather do harmonies when I record in the band than do drums um, because it's just a lot more fun. And you get to show off and, and uh, you know, sing like a bird. Since we're in your tour van, I was hoping that you could pick out one object that you're particularly proud of. This might be tough because it's all filthy in here. This is a very clean van. It's a, yeah, it's not too bad. This isn't mine, but um, this is my tour manager's Thrasher sweatshirt, and I wore it today. He let me wear it. I was really like, oh, thanks, man. Because I had to go on the uh, the border this afternoon, and I was wearing this torn flannel, and I thought, man, i got to get something else on. These people are going to think I'm a scrub. So he gave me this Thrasher sweatshirt, which is bright blue with Thrasher written in pink across it. Uh, and he told me much later that he got this sweatshirt a year ago, and he never washed it. It has coffee all over it, beer, and Lord knows what else. So I, I, I kind of feel honored that he would let me wear this for an hour. The cynic in me says that that might be a way of avoiding detection of certain things like odors. Yeah, well, there's a lot of odors in this sweatshirt. Um, uh, you know, armpit odors and, and maybe some kind of, you know, plant that grows uh, in the Northwest. But uh, right now it just smells like coffee and uh, Italian hoagies. Hi, my name is Dawn Gibson. That's spelled D-A-U-G-H-N, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood.
Hi, my name's Dawn Gibson. That's spelled D-A-U-G-H-N. And you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Looking Back on 99 off Don Gibson's first record, All Hell. I've got Don here with me. We're in his tour van. I'd love it if you could say a few words about this track. There was a time when I was you know, 19 years old. I feel like I fell in love with every girl or woman that I saw. Um, very painful you know, part of kind of growing up. It's like the second, second awkward age. Uh, so this was just, you know, a brief uh, snippet of that, my life during that time. Just, uh, you know, looking back, waxing nostalgic, nostalgic about all those loving moments you have with strangers. If you could meet that awkward guy now, what would you say to that guy? Um, I still am that awkward guy now. I love everybody. You know, I, I can't help it. I, I'm, I'm attracted to all kinds of people. Um, I just, you know, I, I just don't talk to them. I keep it secret. So you've said in a lot of interviews that it was all those hours driving the truck on the road, listening to country music that turned you on to this musical path. I was hoping you could talk a bit about those days. Well, you know, when you're you know driving around, I had a lot of traveling jobs. I've always had a, either was torn or, you know, I was a court reporter. I had to travel all over the state and, you know, uh, report proceedings of workman's comp cases uh, and trucking and, you know, everything else. Um, you know, you, the radio was your best friend. Um, you turn it on, uh, depending on where you are, if you're in Northwestern Pennsylvania and all they got is froggy 101.3, then that's what you're listening to. Um, and certainly if your CD booklet or your iPod is kind of, you know, it's on its, it's, uh, it's fulfilled its purpose for the day. You're just listening to country on the radio and that's what I did. And that's, you know, I'm not afraid to, you know, listen to new music. And at that point it was like, yeah, this is, this is fun and kind of funny and kind of sad and. It's occupying my time, so I just developed a taste for it. You've also said that the storytelling in country music is what drew you in. I was hoping you could take a favorite country track of yours and talk about the compelling storytelling, why you love that track, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, uh, a really good one. Brad Paisley and Alison Krausing. It's called Whiskey Lullaby. It's terrible. It's you know about someone who dies and, and uh, the significant other is left in the wake of this person's death, and they just turn to whiskey. Um, until they just drink themselves to death. Very simple stories. These things don't have to be convoluted. They don't need to be these big novels. You just take a sentence and elaborate on it. And that's what I like the best about it. It's not, you know, some wild metaphor or, you know, some some parable. It's as simple as someone dying from drinking too much whiskey, which is, uh, you know, at least interesting enough for me to keep listening. So what was so effective about the way they told that story? I really, I always think it's a vocal delivery, particularly, you know, in that song, it's Alison Krauss. Uh, she has an incredible range, uh, uh, an in- incredible timbre in her voice that is able to, and we go back to you know playing with vowels and uh, playing with words. She's able to take the sadder words of a sentence and, and make them really hit you hard. Um, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily come across to me in rock or uh, really any other genre of music. I think country music, you know, plays with all the backdrops all at once to deliver the story uh, the way it's meant to be. So for Don Gibson's music, what's the hardest part about telling an effective story in song? I, I gotta have a, a catchy melody uh, as anybody else. Uh, some guys, you know, just want to get the story out. They don't give a who about uh, what the melody is about a chorus. But to me, it, it all has to, to match up. So certainly finding the right word 
to uh, to sit in the verse of the chorus is really tough, um, and it takes a long time to to condition and and uh, comb out the right words. But in the process, you find that you find words you would never use to tell a story, um, and you put them in place, and they they make it a lot more interesting. You know, every song's a challenge. Um, you, you sit down, you don't know what the hell you're going to write about, and it's not only that, but you, you know, I start with music, so. I have this backdrop, I have this texture in the background, and if it's a little darker or heavier, it has to call for something else. So it's a way of, uh, you know, going back to your notes and, and finding something that, that matches what's happening in the background. Um, and ultimately, it's like, anytime I finish a song, I feel like it's a total triumph because I was able to match a certain sentence with a certain texture and make it one big, uh, great thing. Hi, my name is Dawn Gibson. That's spelled D-A-U-G-H-N. And you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood.
Hi, my name is Dawn Gibson. That's spelled D-A-U-G-H-N. And you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Kissing on the Blacktop. That's by Don Gibson off his second record, Me Moan. I'd love it if you could talk a bit about that one, Don. Uh, this is about a bar in my town that uh, is just your run-of-the-mill crappy bar where, you know, people go in the early afternoon to drink or cop, you know, some kind of illicit drug um, or just hook up. Uh, and, and really it's just a snapshot, no story necessary, just a snapshot of, of a scene in my favorite bar. Okay. Don Gibson, I've heard that you have the uncanny ability to summon a state of group sleep paralysis. I would love it if you could explain what that is and talk about the last time that happened. It's funny. Last night uh, we were driving. It was exhausting. And Typically, um, when I've had this group sleep paralysis, it's in a state of pure exhaustion and with other people. And last night I was actually like laying on the floor of this hotel room hoping that it would happen and thinking that I could actually conjure this thing. It never, never happened. But um, I don't know. I've been on tour. I've been, I was driving truck with a dude across country. And we're, in both cases, we were tired. Um, uh, you know, we weren't boozed up or, or you know, eating mushrooms or anything. We were just totally tired, wanted to sleep for the night. And uh, we would get a hotel room and um, both wake up uh, paralyzed and hallucinating. Um, so this happened once uh, you know, about 10 years ago and then again last year when I was on tour in Houston. The last time it happened, it actually happened with three people in an apartment. So it was me and one dude in one room, and we both wake, woke up in a state of sheer panic. And then another dude in the other room had told us in the morning that he had the same thing happen. So uh, it's terrifying. Um, it's great. It's an adventure. Uh I've been told that if you go with this sleep paralysis that you can actually astral project or maybe it's like aliens are going fishing and trying to reel you in from above. Um, I haven't mastered this power yet, but I'm really hoping it happens on this tour. Maybe tonight. Uh, it definitely could happen tonight. I think the stars are aligned for uh, a freak out. You once worked in a sex shop. Often sex shops are the most unsexy places to be. What's the sexiest thing that ever happened to you? in a sex shop I dated a girl that worked at the sex shop so that was kind of sexy like we were you know I started working there and we were getting to know each other and then we started dating it was every night was exciting because we liked each other a lot um outside of that yeah you're right it's definitely the most unsexy place to work it's desensitizing um I don't know the first night I worked there somebody a lady a drunk lady came in and, and you know ripped her top off and I thought well this is absolutely the best job of my life um but over time you just kind of uh the, the sexiness is replaced by just lurid uh, details of what people are really into uh, uh, and secret passions and secret fetishes. The businessman who likes, you know, the bondage stuff, um, you know, the trucker who likes the gay stuff, the, you know, polar opposites enjoying different things that you would never guess. Um, so, yeah, in that way, you know, it became the most unsexy job on earth, but nonetheless, totally fun and hilarious uh, to be at. All right. Don Gibson, you're a tall guy. You've got a deep voice and you've got a hairy chest. So more than a few critics like to talk about modern masculinity when they talk about your music. What's your take? Uh, I don't, you know, that's for other people to sort out, you know. Uh, What's the most girly thing you've done recently? I <laughs> Uh, I went into a gas station and found the women's jewelry, um, and me and 
my friend Steve was playing at Steve Gunn, we're looking at it and just trying it on. Because, and we called it mountain bling because we were up in a mountain and it was just, you know, totally awful, gaudy turquoise bracelets and necklaces. Um, so we were just throwing them on and, uh, you know, seeing if anything looked right. And, of course, just nothing fit. Uh, so we moved on. But um, always keep my eye out for, for uh, grandma jewelry. Nice. Don Gibson, thank you very much for taking some time out and talking with me tonight. I appreciate that. I would love it if you could pick one of your tracks and talk a bit about it as we bring up the music. Well, I, I'd like to talk about Mad Ocean. One of my favorite songs on record has a bagpipe. Uh, I found it when me and my wife went up to uh, upstate New York to a Flag Day parade. We just kind of landed there for no reason. And I pulled out my iPhone during the parade and somebody was playing a bagpipe. I recorded it. And I took it home, chopped it up, and, and wrote this song. It's an ode to my, my wife, basically. Um, you know, it's, it just talks about how anything that happened before I met her is, is insignificant and, and, and meaningless. And, and, and really, that's it. Nice. We're going to end things on a very sweet note. We're going to hear Mad Ocean by Don Gibson from his second record, Me Moan. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It was good talking to you. Hi, my name is Don Gibson. That's spelled D-A-U-G-H-N. And you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Oh, I walk you to the edge of the earth. 